Have you ever come across an odd myth, strange story, weird history, or something that just made you scratch your head and say to yourself, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Well, you're in luck, and you're in the right place listening to the right podcast, because this is the story of... of the podcast story of i'm smith joining me as always is mr bill mr bill what's up buddy get the shit out of me bro i'm good <laughs> i did i, I kind of went like <laughs> hardcore on that one it's and good. joining like us that. again friend of the show friend in real life new co-host is mr dr mike dr mike what's up buddy hey guys how are we doing tonight all right hanging in there man how's everybody's week how did everybody's week go uh, it was actually kind of long. I had a, like a, a four-day weekend last weekend, and I have one coming up this weekend. And like to get through this week was like, fuck, I got to have a five-day week. This sucks. <laughs> it's like a full <laughs> week. Yeah. Hey, Mike, how was yours? How was your week? Chaos. Absolute chaos. Yeah. Is that every, on the work aspect or the, oh, the family aspect? Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Double whammy. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Fair it's enough. Like, it's Fair like enough. ongoing. <laughs> we're trying to figure out uh what um what power wheels we should get my son for his birthday Ooh, that's a yeah. good one so we were looking at a couple of them uh they make new ones where they have like little remote controls like they're like little playstation remotes so if the kid goes off course you can like override you know what i mean you can do like a manual override and take over the fucking power wheels from the kid do they really that's yeah awesome. dude it's awesome and then you can hook up bluetooth to it as well so like you can I can roll my kid down the street like less than the Beastie Boys or some shit, you know. So <laughs> I mean, I mean, they came a long way in the past four years. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, but I think we might just go old school and get him like a little John Deere tractor. I don't know. I think it works pretty good. Over here, so. hmm. but, uh, we'll take it from there. All right. So this week's topic uh, is is I thought was really really interesting, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have uh, the story of history's greatest prison escapes. So we're all going to bring a story to the table tonight. And at home, you can be the judge of which one is the best, even though I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, it's definitely me. So, you guys. Uh, I'm gonna that shit. We'll see about that. Yeah, okay, let's do it. All right, so uh, we decided we drew straws randomly, and uh, Bill, uh, he got the shortest straw. So, uh, Mr. Bill, you're up first there, buddy boy. All right. <clears throat> mm, thank you. Well, mine takes place uh, uh 1936, Yomari, Japan. Uh, this guy's name was Yoshi Shiratori. Now, if you go over to Japan and you mention that name, that guy's like a folklore there. Like, people know exactly, it's like Robin Hood type shit. Not that, like, what he was, like a, but just like his myth. His, just, it's unbelievable. So, he was forced to, to, um, confess to a murder he didn't commit. Right Right off the bat. And, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the movies, like, Unbroken, where you actually saw like uh, the POWs yeah, yeah, being yeah. used by the Japanese over there. That's yeah, how the choice. prison system was with their own people over there. They were ruthless. They would torture these people. They were like absolutely like it was so bad what the prisoners were going through. So he, every day he was going through beatings and tortured, and it was just it was really bad. So he winds up he, he might as well making a decision. He's like, you know what? 
I gotta get the fuck out of here. Now, Dude, now let me just yeah. stop you real quick. This is you said 1936. 1936. All right, Japan. so this is still Imperial Empire Japan. Then. So yes. I got you. Okay, cool. cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. He's been now he's been locked up for a couple months and this couple months he's really been watching the guards and he knows that he has, like 5:30 he has like a 15 minute window where there's like a guard change. So he winds up stealing a metal wire that wraps around one of the buckets in the washroom to keep like you know those wooden buckets back in the day and he used to wrap them with wire. He used to, he stole a wire off of that, and he goes. He takes it back to his cell, and he uses this wire to unlock one of like the nine doors he has to unlock in fifteen minutes. And uh, yeah, so he's now. I mind you, you know, he, he he's got he, he unlocks it. He sneaks out, and now he's got fifteen minutes to get through all this, and he's still not like. Did you get out? You're not, you know, it's like you only got 15 minutes. Another guard's going to look in there in your cell in 15 minutes. Yeah. So he, he gets out, he gets beyond the gate, and 15 minutes go by, and the guards walk by, and they look in his cell, and it looks like something's like someone's laying in his bed. So he's like, all right. They're like, whatever. So the next did, like, morning he prop comes, up, like, he propped up shit, like, in his, like, in the bed under the blanket oh, and stuff to make it look like him? Yeah, the next morning comes, and they go in to go wake him up, and they realize that he took loose floorboards off the floor <laughs> and he shoved them under his bed to make it like look bulky <laughs> and they were like oh shit this guy's not here he fucking escaped so <laughs> Blair you know sirens go and he's on the run for three days right? three days go by and he's caught stealing like hospital like hospital equipment and he goes right back to jail they nailed him boom three days so they throw him in the cell now because he's been caught Escaping, he gets life in jail. That's what they okay. sentenced him to. So now everything, you know, his wife, his daughter, everybody thinking he was dreaming about, you know, seeing it all goes out the window. And now all he has, you know, is torture and fucking beatings to look forward to. And those three months of like planning just went right out the window. And not on on top of it, they know he can escape jail now. So they're like, all right, motherfucker. Yeah, so he's under like extra, extra shit, right? The extra eyes. Oh, stuff. yeah. So now, yeah, so, yeah, the planning, yeah, all gone. So he determ- he's determined to, like, they're determined to make an example of him. So they wind up, uh, wind up making him sleep on, like, this fucking cold-ass floor now. They, they transfer him to another prison, and before they transfer him to this other prison, he asks to go to a prison in the south because it's warmer down there, and he doesn't do good in the cold. And they're like, fuck you, we're sending you to the most southern prison we have now. So they ship him down to, like, some fucking prison down south of Japan. And it's, I mean, uh, north of Japan, sorry, north of Japan. And it's fucking freezing now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's called, it was uh, Attica Prison in Attica City. And They had their own Attica? Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say the same thing. It's fucking awesome, man. Akita, Akita, A K I T A, Akita. Okay, or Akita. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I was about to say, they got Attica too. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, the guards there treated him even worse. Like Mm. they, they were determined to make an example of him. They knew he was an escape. You know, he escaped once before. So, you know, they were they on top of him having to to sleep on a fucking cold ass floor in summer clothes. He's now he's now he's got to do manual labor on top of it. And he's placed in solitary confinement. 
for like long fucking periods of time. So his mind is starting to break too. So they broke. Oh, yeah. his, they're breaking his body down, and they're they're, also, they're trying to break they're him. Trying they're trying to, to right? attack him. Yeah, and mentally they're trying to, to, to destroy him. So. Now this this was a specially military confinement cell for him, which was it it. It was very small. It had very high ceilings. The walls were covered in copper sheets that were smooth, so he couldn't grip on them. In addition, there was absolutely there was absolutely no sunlight other than this little window at the top of from a skylight. So this this is like this is like a little fucking dungeon for him. He can't yeah. go anywhere. So now that yeah, like I said, the guards are starting to really treat him like shit. They have him they have him handcuffed at all times. And you know it's just it's a really shitty life. So he's, he, he's handcuffed in this the solitary confinement. Yeah. Oh my yep. god! But there was one there was one guy that was like the the head of the guards. He actually felt bad for him. So every once in a while, his name was Kobayashi. Every once in a while, he'd chuck up on him, make sure he's <laughs> so he make sure he was doing good. You know, you okay? You know, he just wanted to make sure that this guy was actually making it through. Uh, you know, he, and, and he never forgot that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, hold on. So, the, you know, actually, the it starts to get warmer. It starts to become around June. I think it was like uh, June 15th was the day that he decided that he just wasn't going to fucking take this shit anymore. And it was like a really stormy night. So he, uh, he had one of his extended stays in solitary confinement. And uh, right around midnight, one of the gal- guards, you know, they he heard something. And he's like, you know, what the fuck was that? I'm going to go look around. And he looks in his cell, and the fucking guy's gone. <laughs> fucking guy, fuck? like, he's like, what the fuck? Hey, he opens up the door. He's like, what the fuck's going on? Where is this guy? And he looks over. Yeah, he was gone. He was just gone. And he looks over, and the handcuffs are in the corner. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? So he, the guards, you know, Fucking the problem was, was that the guards didn't realize that he had like many different methods of being able to take off handcuffs. And so you legitimately was like a fucking Japanese Houdini. Oh, he it, it was like they, they were like and they're all coming like coming to find this stuff out as they go along. <laughs> so anyway, what happened was <laughs> what happened was he had gotten a piece of wire. And he was able to undo his handcuffs. He, he, he was, what they also didn't know that is that this motherfucker had a couple of abilities. And one of them was that he was able to climb like a fucking lizard. <laughs> and he was able to crawl his ass all the way up to the top where the, where the little skylight was. And Ooh, for months. Like Spider-Man? Like, Jesus. Dude, like, yeah. He, they, they said it was unlike lizard abilities. <laughs> And he, bro, he would sit there and he would like pick at the skylight at the wood because the wood was slowly rotting on the okay. skylight. So he would just pick at it little by little, like every day, He'd climb up the walls, loosen it a little bit, climb back down, put the handcuffs back on, like it, like it was never happening. So wait, so if, if this room was like so tiny, was he able to like get his like legs across? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, is, I don't know that... the exact specifics, dynamics of the room, but that's what it seemed like. Like he was able to get his scale himself up the side of the wall and then get up to this this like um, skylight and crawl yeah, up the yeah, skylight yeah. and slowly pick out the wood around the frame. So it, like they were they were trying it, to be such it, assholes that it worked against them actually. Exactly. 
how how did he scale the wall? Remember that you said that they cover the walls with these copper, copper sheets. Yes, they, he, oh, wait, he wouldn't he just, be able to he, grab he onto no, anything. He gave no reason to them. He just said, "Yeah, I just climbed the shit." Unless, though, I mean, like, if you think about it, though, I mean, if you are I, if you are dirty enough, you know what I'm saying, and you're not showering, you you know what I mean. Your skin could get theoretically pretty sticky and grimy and nasty. Maybe yeah. that helps you to stick more. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe he was using feces to climb the wall. Could have been, <laughs> right? <laughs> Shitting on your foot and go, you know? Yeah, so <laughs> after a couple of months, he got finally got the wood loose, and he was able to, uh, what, he was waiting for a particular night, a stormy night, so this way he wouldn't, you know, arouse suspicion. And and he, he made his move. And what happened was, was that he was on the month, he was on the, ro- uh, the, the run for like three months. And he was like, he wasn't doing good out on his own. Yeah. And he, 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 while he was out there, he came up with an idea. He's like, uh, I'm going to go to Kabayoshi's house, the guy that treated him nice. Yeah. And yeah, he's yeah, going to explain to him, and he wants to explain to him that he doesn't mind being in jail. He understands, you know, people got to be in jail, but it's the way he was being treated. And he wants to go to like the higher courts and turn himself in. And but explain why he he escaped. But he needs Yobi, 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 Kobayashi's help because he's a, a reputable a man who will back up his yeah, claims. Yeah, 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 yeah. It will back up his claims. And you know, Kobayashi, you know, he knocks on his door. And Kobayashi's like, "Holy shit, what the fuck are you doing here?" And he explains what's going <laughs> on. He's like, All right. "I'm gonna get in, dude. What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> so he, he brings him in. And he feeds him, and he's like, all right, yeah, you know, I understand. And, you know, guy goes to the bathroom, and Kobayashi calls the cops on him. Uh, and he's back in jail. Yeah. Yep. He so he goes to, back though. to jail. You know, it was, it, you know, what kind of situation you're in, you know? You got, you're being put between a rock and a hard place there. Yeah. So, yeah, so he uh, he winds up going back to prison. Now this is yeah he he wanted to go to a Tokyo prison because it was warm so he kept pleading please don't send me anywhere where it's cold, and they sent him right back down to this another cold prison in Hakadui which was even further south than the other prison or north sorry I keep saying south even further north than the other prison so now he's fucking freezing, but it was now 1943. Okay. And right now they're in the mix of this war, so there's a lot of shit. Exactly. So the temperatures are are fucking freezing, and it's like to the point where when they get served like their miso soup and their soy sauce, it fucking freezes if they don't eat it quick enough. Keep that in mind because it comes back later. So I mean, and this guy just does not do good in the fucking cold. So he has to escape again. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, or he has to wait till the warmer months to do so. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but either way, he's got to well, get the fuck out of it. Yeah, because again, he's down in this other. He's and the prisoners are still treating him like shit. They're yeah, beating yeah. the fuck out of him. You know, it's bad. So he, they take him, they throw him in the cell as soon as he get there, and the cell is fucking. It's it's like even in worse condition than the last one that he was in. So he's like, no, I can't stay here. I can't be like this. Because, again, he's in, like, clothes that he's not even, like, he's not he's not in winter clothes. He's yeah. fucking freezing. He goes to go past the guards, and he, they're like, no, you can't. You're not going anywhere. And they push him back down. He turns around, and he fucking loses it. He's like, you know what? Fuck you all. You think you guys can fucking contain me? You guys can't contain me. You guys can't contain shit. And with that, he fucking rips his fucking irons off. 
he, he tears the he, tear, he breaks the fucking chain on his fucking and they're like whoa and they lock the game right away they're like holy shit this guy's like superhuman strength what the fuck, what the fuck is this? Well, they don't know if it was a combination of the cold or you know he just happened to be so enraged that he had it I, who knows but I, that's I feel the story. like all of this would be avoided if Japan just had good fucking um, um, uh, handcuffs you know what Prison I mean system. handcuffs <laughs> that you couldn't undo with a wire or just fucking break <laughs> if they just had good handcuffs this dude would have been fucked since day one either that or they could have just shipped them south he would have been happy to just <laughs> Oh, okay, I'm in the south. Perfect. I'll just sit here. I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> you would have been fine. Like you have a coat and gloves, possibly. <laughs> you know, give him a pair of pants. Anything. Don't say anything. Give him a fucking blanket. So he turns to him and he's like, "I vow." He's like, "I swear, I'm gonna break out of this fucking prison. There's nothing you can do about it." So they're like, "They're like, okay." So they take him up on his challenge, and they fucking they they're like, "You know what? We're gonna build a special cell just for you." So, so yeah, so but you know he kind of put all his cards out on the table too. You know he now he, they know he can you know fucking scale walls. He's got superhuman strength. And fucking you know he, he, he yeah. So I got a question, Bill. Do we know what he did prior to being uh, incarcerated? See, yeah, no, I, I don't know that. I, I wish I, I could probably look that up. I don't know. Work that. in a circus. Right? <laughs> Either is that it, or is he maybe, old? Maybe he worked with metals, and he understood maybe the maybe. The, the weldings maybe. on a just you on know a that would make floor. sense because let me let me finish the story that would make a lot okay. of sense. Okay, okay. So they decided to build him a new cell. It had steel fixtures with a low chance of rot. Any openings, even the bars, were removed, and they were made smaller so this way he couldn't fit his body through it. And, uh, yeah, so he couldn't, yeah, so he, it was like a special, like solid iron handcuffs and like leg cuffs that were, that they had to come and like put on his body and they didn't have keyholes. They had to have an iron maker come and, and take it off every couple of weeks this way he could bathe. See, there you go. They, they, they fixed the fucking handcuffs. Good. Yeah. So. <laughs> So you think. So which <laughs> so, so if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, yeah. Find way out. So yeah, it would take like it would take like it was like a two hour process, like to take these handcuffs on and off, too. It was like insane. So it got to the point where he he these handcuffs were like leaving like sores on his body and they started getting infected with maggots. And the guy was just you know, it was right at the peak of winter. You know, he was really just fucking not in good shape. Then he would just sit there and just like stare at the wall and they're like this guy he's done you know he, whatever so everybody thought he wasn't even going to make the winter but somehow he, he made it through but not by not without being fucking completely tormented the whole time by you know they would shove his food under the water they wouldn't take under the door they wouldn't take off his cuffs he had to eat like a dog he had to see there was no comfortable way for him to sleep like it was just it was bad yeah, the break yeah, exactly. They're trying to break him. Now, fast forward, he actually survives the fucking winter, and it's spring now. And what he's starting to, you know, he's starting to get his strength back. Yeah, because, what year you know, is this? It's the same year. It's, uh... So, still 43? 43? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was the winter of 43, so you're probably thinking 44, 44. you know, spring Early of 44. 44. Okay. okay. So, uh... You know, months have passed, and, you know, he seems to be like nothing happened. So, you know, the guards are like, you know, this guy's a fucking joke. Whatever. 
So there's this one night in August, a guard in his office, he's doing some paperwork and he, you know, he, he heard some shuffling on the roof and he's like, what the fuck was that? So he decides to check on the prisoners and he looks in his, uh, this inescapable cell and uh, the dude's gone. <laughs> Just, he's fucking gone. The futon bed and the garments were neatly folded and the <laughs> handcuffs were, and the leg cuffs were placed neatly in the corner. <laughs> Such a gentleman. So, and these things were supposed to take two hours to move. Oh, to move. So, so they're like, what the fuck? What, where the fuck is this guy? So he, they, they, they're fucking freaking out. The alarm sounded immediately, but despite all the work, they can't find the fucking guy. He just disappeared. So what happened was <laughs> he had been preparing for six months for this. And he was all the time while he was weak and he couldn't move. He was he devised a plan and he was executing it. And what he did was he was getting his legs so so thin he could slip him through the the, the irons. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh. What he did was he was saving his miso soup, and he would go over to the window in a steel frame and he would spit the miso soup on the steel frame and his handcuffs because he was trying to oxidize the oxidize screws and bolts. with the fucking uh, with the, the salt. And when they became and when, and when they became loose enough, or at least one screw became loose enough, he was able to use that screw as a screwdriver for the other screws. This fucking guy, man. Oh, bro, bro, it took months. So everybody he's really he just, just he's he's MacGyver, really, is what he is. It's so oh, more so like than, he, like Mike said, he he knew metal. Yeah, the dude knew metal. This dude was probably a metallurgist of some sort. Yeah, yeah, some dude, sort uh, of a chemist or scientist, something. Or yeah, he's got to have a, a, a science-based no, background. You have to. There's no, you know yes. what I mean, like. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The cell, you got to remember, there was no openings big enough for his body to fit through. What they didn't know about him is that he had another ability. He dislocated his joints any way he needed to. He was able to pop out his shoulders and pop out his kneecaps and pop out his legs if he needed to to slither through these little fucking holes. Holy shit. Bro, the dude is amazing. Like, I, as I'm listening to this story, I'm like, I listened to the. I honestly listened to the story probably like twenty times because I did not want to fuck this up. I'm like, this is just, this is too unbelievable. This guy's on fucking real. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, he skates up onto the roof, makes a dash, and he's gone. But you got to remember, he's in the north of fucking Japan, where there's nothing. It's wilderness in this prison. Yeah. They're like, they're like, all right, dude, good luck. <laughs> We're not even looking for him. Fuck him. He's dead. No. They're like, you know how cold it is? I'm not going out there. <laughs> and they they thought they honestly thought that the mountain bears the mountain bears were gonna get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that their own breed of bear, Bill? Is it a mountain bear? Is that like a Oh, like that's a what they describe it as. Mountain bears. Okay, so yeah, so as as you know, things are going on. Now, the war finally ends. Now, now it's now it's two years down the road, 19, August nineteen forty-five. Okay. And this dude has just been chucking it in the wilders for two years, living in a cave. He didn't know oh, what the fuck to do. Shit. He knew that he they would be everywhere. He couldn't go see his family. Yeah, yeah. But you know what happened? The war was over. War ended. So he's like, you know what? I'm I just I gotta get back in there. I gotta see what's going on with my family. I you know it's been two years. Nobody's looking for me. They they, they don't even know I'm alive. So 
goes back into town and to his amazement he's like he's seeing like american billboards and signs mm. in american and and soldiers walking around with you know japanese women and he's like what all this fucking all the war propaganda is ripped down and he's like what the fuck happened like yeah, what the Hiro, fuck happened Hiro, Hiro, yeah. yeah they they, they yeah. surrender that's crazy yeah you know so he winds up he winds up he's starving now and he's on a farm and he sees this he sees a, a tomato farm and he goes over and he picks a tomato and the farmer sees him and he goes to confront him because the farmer thinks he's this local thief that he, he thought he recognized. But when he got to him, they got into a scrum and he winds up killing the farmer and uh, stabbing the farmer. Jail for murder. Yeah. <laughs> and not long after that, they scoop him up and no. they're like, holy shit, we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> no. Where the fuck have you been? <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, that is like a fucking oh. Greek tragedy story. He tried to explain to him. He's like, "Yo, it was self defense. He came over to me. I took the knife away from him. I stabbed him. I didn't, you know." I, and they were like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's 1947 now, Fuck and this you. dude's just <laughs> so this dude's just awaiting execution. Oh so, no. Now they know about him. They know that he escaped this inescapable fucking room just built for him. They fucking they know where the other two three escapes. They're like, bro, that's it. We're just we're just gonna fucking keep an eye on you. Like you're not you're not going anywhere. Twenty four hour surveillance. That's it. Just yeah, 20, with care. six armed guards. With six armed guards. Personally assigned just to watch him. Yeah. So it was it, you know he at this point you know he's. He, you know, he doesn't know what to do. You know, he's in this prison. You know, he's in this cell. You know, he, he he's involved in climbing skylight windows and ceilings. Like, yeah, it, it was it was really this room was going to be impossible for him to get out of. So he would just sit there and he would every day while he's sitting in this room, he's looking around the room. He's looking up at the skylight. He's looking at the wall. He's like, what the fuck am I going to do? And these prison guards are just like you got nothing, dude. We're watching. What are, you, what are you gonna do? So he's he's looking around. He's like, you know, can I get this? And they're all just like, dude, you know, what are you doing over there? Sit down. Stop it. Get it out. So what happened was was that they were they were so he was they were so concerned that like he was going to escape from the ceiling. That they and they reinforced everything there that they didn't think about the floor. So every day went right up into a couple days before he was going to be executed. He was sitting there staring up, and they would always be like, "What the fuck is he looking at?" And they would go in, and when he would go take a shower, and they're checking the ceiling, they're checking, <laughs> and nothing. And it, it turns out that the whole time he was digging up the floorboards and tunneling out of there, because all he had to do was sit there and stare up. They would be like, "What the fuck is he looking it's at?" It's like literal sleight of hand. He's got something when he's doing something when we're not watching. So they would go, and he would. That's all he had to do was look in one direction, and he would go the other way. So he <laughs> escapes. Out, he tunnels the fuck out of there, which turned out to be his easiest escape, by the way. <laughs> of course, at that point. And he just dips, and he's gone, and that's it. He escaped his fourth, what, fourth, fifth prison now. Yeah. So he. He's he's a free man. Like he's just wandering around. He's wandering around a big city, and he's like, you know, he's done. He's an old man now. He's like in his late, mid forties. 
you know, he's been doing this since he was, you know, for a couple of years now. He's like, I, what, what am I doing? You know, I'm fucking done with this. Ten, you know, going on 10 years doing this shit. What the fuck? <laughs> so he's sitting down. He's a, and at this point, he is a broken man. And yeah. he's sitting on a bench, a park bench. Cop comes over and sits next to him. Fucking Kobe. The cop just strikes up a conversation. He starts bullshitting with them, and you know they're going back and forth. And at the time, cigarettes were like a delicacy. Like you mm. need to be high SOH to like even have them. So he offers him a cigarette, and he was like so touched by this, like that an officer, somebody who who had been abusing him, like somebody in a suit, like just like his, who's been abusing him for so long, is you know is being nice to him so he actually he broke down he's like i'm just tired of this i'm, I'm tired of running and this is who i am and he just told him he's like take me you know take me to prison do what you got to do so he takes him in and at this point everybody knows who he is and they're like but it's a they're trying to change it they're trying to change the regime of what was going on so they're like what why did you escape so much and he tells him, and he tells him the whole story, even the self-defense against the the farmer. And and they and they buy in, and they buy it, and they listen to him, and they're like, you know what? We're sorry. You you, you got to go back to jail, but you are <laughs> going to be treated correctly, and wow. so is everybody else in the prison systems. That's what's going to happen for now on. Holy and they shit! Up, and they cleaned up the Japanese prison systems because this motherfucker decided to escape four or five times and make a fool out of everybody because he was some sort of superhero. Yeah. I thought, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say he just got up and ran through the wall of the jail and just left. <laughs> I, I got out of the house. I'm just going to fucking bust through the wall. He wound, wow. up, he wound up getting out and he spent the rest of his days with his daughter. Really? Yeah. All right. So what is this man's name? His name is Yoshi Sh- Shiratori. S H I R A T O R I. Shiratori, yeah. Dude. Wow, that's a fucking story. I think Billy, I think you might have won. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think I could, I don't know if I could top that. Like my story is cool, man, but that's just that's some that's some next level well, shit. One man changed the whole country's Japanese uh, yeah, uh, uh, whole prison system, prison. yeah. This guy was this guy wasn't even playing the same game everybody else was. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was playing a totally different game. Like he was just like he's like John Cheat Code fucking level, dude. Yeah. Wow. Just, that's an amazing story. Yo, man. Oh, you guys that really that is. One. That's fucking impressive, man. That's really that's I'm I'm in awe of that man. I, I mean just the fact that he has a cigarette that he's like, I oh, fuck it, whatever. I'm <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm exactly. Shiratori, so lock me back up in jail. Like, what the fuck, dude? No. Yeah. You did it, you got out. Dude, while while he was on like while he was on the, the run for two years. He was just eating like raccoons and fucking yeah, like little vermin. And then he started watching bears, and the bears started fishing for crabs. So he's like, "Oh shit, that's how you do that." Were they mountain bears? Mountain bears? Mountain bears? Mountain bears? Hey, boo boo, let's get some of them. What kind of bears are there? I do. I guess there's just forest bears. I guess. Well, panda bears are like jungle bears. You know, well, you imagine if it was just it was pandas just running around and up north. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, I guess they do. Yeah, I guess they, 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 I guess like I every time. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen video of pandas in in the wild. You know what I mean? Like they're always like some hey, sort of true. yeah enclosure. So I guess there has to be like wild pandas. Panda bears you know? in China. Yeah. 
They're not Japan. Yeah, they're they're Asian bears. No, Japan's an island, so I don't know. They have you ever Japanese. seen Asian bear? Asian bears look funny. They don't have they don't I think yeah, they that's what it is. I think the the Asian bear looks just like Paddington Bear. Alright, so I'm gonna look <laughs> right up. I'm gonna look up Japanese mountain bear. Yeah, let's let me know what, what that looks like. Let's see what that looks like here. A Japanese mountain bear. I'd say it, all right. So it's a Japanese black bear, but they've got almost like this little white patch across their chest. So, oh. or it could be an usuri usuri uh, brown bear. That's a big bear, but most likely it looks like the Asian black bear and the brown bear. So yeah, oh, wow, um, that is a huge bear. The usuri brown the bear is bear? fucking yeah, massive. Holy that's shit. a that's a big that's a big bear. Wow. Okay. Anyway, so on to story number two. Wow, Bill, well done. Great, great fucking Thank story. You. Thank yeah. you. All right, uh, Doctor Mike, the uh, the mic is yours. Oh, see what I did there. Okay. All right. So what I did was I did Alcatraz, and yes. you know, just learning about Alcatraz, just getting some input about what really happened there, and some of the information about it to me, I thought was so interesting, and so. It actually opened in August of uh, 1934. In the time that it was open, they only had about 1,500 inmates. And it's located, if you're not sure exactly where it is, but it's in the San Francisco Bay. And the water tends to be a little bit colder because it's kind of northern California. So of the time that the prison was actually open, there were 14 attempts people to escape there was a total of 36 um 36 inmates that actually tried to leave the island so i want to give you a little bit of information things that i found that were kind of interesting about people that were trying to escape and then there's some other information i found out about and i thought it was kind of interesting and i didn't really know about i felt it was really important to kind of bring up so i'm going to bring that up at the end so the first guy that tried to escape a lot of it was is up for debate because they're really not sure how he really died. So the first guy was Joseph Bowers. He was sentenced to prison for 25 years for mail robbery. <laughs> mail robbery. That's kind of interesting yeah. to be sent to prison for 25, 25 years. years. Do they have the date? Oh, federal this... crime, bro. The federal crime. Is this like in the 30s? Or is yes. It, okay. Okay. It was uh, his his attempt was on um, April of thirty six. So that's two years after the prison opened. Okay. Was it like a mail truck? <clears throat> like they tried I, to rob a mail truck? Like, that's about, crazy. Like, what he did. I was just yeah. thinking, like even at that, it's not like postal service today. Like you have people stealing, you know, Amazon packages off of people's porches. Twenty five years, dude. Twenty five years. It's literally a lifetime like, for somebody. That's fucking crazy. And Dude, think about it. It's 1936. What kind of what kind of mail are you stealing in 1936? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. Like, what were you, what were you taking? <laughs> so, <laughs> real. Like, like it's fuck? a fucking Amazon package, <laughs> right? <laughs> Apparently, it was bad enough to go to jail. So, what's actually interesting is you learn about the fact that Alcatraz wasn't a place. People always thought it was a place that people were sent to that were really bad. Okay. It's not. It wasn't it wasn't that type of a place. Which is amazing because of where it's located. You'd figure, well, it's isolated in the middle of the bay. 
send the worst of the worst. That way they can't get out. They can't get control of anybody else. So this guy, one afternoon while working at the trash incinerator, he decided to scale the fence on the edge of the island. At that point, when the, co- when they actually, the guards saw him, he ignored their commands to stop That's climbing. Right. But the guards literally just shot him. <laughs> <laughs> he falls feet to his death. How, how many feet? 50 to 100 feet. Jesus Christ. I was like, "Cut that off!" Okay, cut that off! Stop! I'll shoot you! Shoot you! I will shoot him, John. All right, get back here! Stop it, Bob! What what cracks me up is like, where was he going? Right, where was he going? You're gonna come back around? Just wait for him on the other side. Exactly. Where's he going? An island? He's not going far. Exactly. What do we do? I don't know. Fucking shoot him, I guess. He's like scaling along the fence. I'm going for a walk. <laughs> well, you shot him in the head, man. You could have just got him in the leg. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Oh my god. Yeah, okay, continue. I'm sorry. What you got, kid? Not only was, so, this was the first guy that decided I'm going to try to get out of this place. <laughs> when you read the stories, there's a lot of other guys that had gotten further than him. And a lot of these guys have literally gotten down to the water, started swimming, and then said, Nah, fuck this. This is too cold. I ain't gonna make it. <laughs> and it's shark-infested water, too. So it's like, exactly. it's not a good place. Not, not. The best part about it was, if these guards didn't catch them before they reached the water, they were like, eh, just leave them. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. They were just like, They're not gonna make it. Fuck it. Now. Where are you gonna go? Yeah. And there's very strong right, currents that'll take you out one. past, like, <laughs> under the bridge, and you're fucked anyway. So, yeah, there's no way. You're, there's no, yeah, very, very little that, chance. That current, is, that current is just going. Yeah. And that's yeah. a strong-ass current. So there's other, there's other people that escaped. Literally, when they got down to the water, some of them just like, yeah, I'm going to go hide and, like, buy some rocks. <laughs> and then eventually they'd get caught because they have no place to go. Just imagine, you, you broke out of... I thought of how to get out, but I didn't think about how the fuck to get off the island. <laughs> the water, was, man, that boat is quite a problem there. <laughs> some just bad just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next one that I have, which was kind of interesting, it was actually on June 11th of 1962. Frank Morris, John, and Clarence. Algin? Algin? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the famous one. It's the most famous one of them all. Yep. Um, Their escape was uncertain because there was a lot of things that happened that they really aren't sure how it all ended. So one of the things that they did, uh, they actually made a paper mache head. Mm -hmm. They used real hair. And they put all that stuff in their beds and set it up at night to fool the guards <laughs> as they were walking by to think that there was a person there. The fucking classic, fucking brilliant man. <laughs> of course, like, it was. Awesome. I was like, okay, yeah, pretty interesting. Yep. The fact that you've gotten that creative about it. Yep, yep. So the the group actually used the vent holes in the rear end of their cells to access the utility pipelines, mm-hmm. gained access to get to the roof. 
So after they got to the roof, they were able to climb down the drain pipes and made their way down to the water. Once they reached to the water, they had makeshift life vests that were made out of raincoats. Yeah, they stole the raincoats from the prison and they sewed them all together. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so they had that. That's fucking brilliant. That's pretty amazing that they got that far. They thought of like, okay, we got out. Yeah, they got, got to the water. One, that one step further, further. They were like, all right, well, we got to get, what do we do and get to the water? Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. That's so fucking- they thought that part out, which was good. Um, so they took on, they went to the water and they were never heard from again. Mm-hmm. On, disappeared. I think so they survived. Several weeks later. What? I feel like they survived. Like, I know that um, one of them, I don't know, if, I think it was the brothers, their family claims that they survived and went down to, like, Argentina or some shit. It's awesome. You know, it, it's hard to say because, think about it. If, even if they didn't, these guys didn't make it out. Yeah. And they can say, well, maybe it'll make our family famous that our brothers, my son, whoever it is, they are the ones, the only ones to make it off that island alive. Do it alive, yeah. I was like very interested, very Mm. interesting story. Mm -hmm. So obviously because of the popularity of the story, it actually turned into a movie. Yep. Which was Escape from Alcatraz. If you've never seen it. Definitely go see that. It was an amazing oh, yeah. movie. fucking movie. Good flick. Absolutely. Yeah, it was really they good. Really, did they really use a fan as a, as a uh, drill gun? I think so. I think so. Yeah, to get the... Uh, they, they, yes, I believe they Excuse did. Excuse They, they yeah. were fucking I mean, I, I saw that in the movie. I always wondered if that actually happened. I, I, I would imagine they probably used most of the exact ways. You know what I mean? Because the fact... What they did was brilliant. I mean, it was so fucking yeah. smart. Yeah. You know? They used paper mache on the cell walls. Yeah. Yeah, and the little vents. I mean, it's fucking yeah. brilliant, man. What they did was absolutely incredibly smart. Those guys were good. They had to leave one guy back, right? Did they? I think they, they left. In the movie they did. In the movie they did. That maybe. I they, don't know. There was, a, there was a steel pipe going right through the wall after he, uh, after he was able to tunnel out, or after he was able to carve out the brick of the wall. There was like a rod of a rod, one rod going right down and it prevented him from actually leaving. So out of there, so there was supposed to be four guys, but the three guys made it out. I think only three guys made it gotcha, out. Gotcha, yeah. okay. I mean, I, I don't know, man. The, movie the, the family makes a pretty, a, a pretty solid argument. Um, they said they have pictures of them in Argentina. They showed pictures. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, and the, the family at the same time, they go on to say that the FBI never left them alone. Like, the FBI was always looking over their shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, always knocking on their doors and always doing this. And the family was like, just leave us the fuck alone. You know, so I don't know if <clears throat> making the claim that they were alive would have helped them out either. You know what I mean? Like, they, it, it seemed to have brought a lot of unwarranted or unwanted attention by the authorities as well. Yeah. But I just, even, we don't know. We'll never know. But I feel like, I, I don't even feel, I feel, like maybe I feel like it doesn't even matter. You, you, you know no. what I'm saying? Like, I don't think either, you know, it doesn't take away or add to the story, of, you know, of the, no. of the the legend of that story, because it's such a fucking brilliant Because the only way you know, the only way you're going to know if they survived is if they did it wrong. It's true. Yeah. Good point. You know? Yeah. And then the fame behind it as well, you know, it'd be kind of cool to say, hey, listen, these guys were the only guys that escaped it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Truly they, made it out. And they, they got to freedom. They weren't anything big. They were just 
petty criminals. They weren't, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't like super masterminds or this or that. They were just normal fucking guys that were like, all right. And they were, I mean, above average intelligence. But I, I, obviously, you know, they were very good at what they did to get out. But like, they weren't like the Birdman or Al Capone or anything like that, you know? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> they didn't have that, that crazy, you know, infamy going into it. You know, they were just fucking two brothers and then this guy, you know? Mm-hmm. That's. So, I got more. I got more. Keep, another fun. Keep another going. Fun keep going. Keep going. Phoebe. All right. So next one, the next big escape that I thought, which is kind of interesting, was on December sixteenth, nineteen sixty-two. John Paul Scott, Daryl Lee Parker. These two guys decided to bend the bars in the kitchen, in the jailhouse basement. They clambered down to the bay. And they attempted their swim to freedom. <laughs> So these two guys, oh, so they were able to get to the base of the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay. And what happened was, by the time they got there, they were completely exhausted, now suffering also from hypothermia. And then literally when they got there, they just couldn't move. They had no energy left to do anything. (laughs) So fair enough, they realized these guys escaped they went down there and the cops found them <laughs> just passed out they were exhausted they were freezing cold wow they just got picked up and put right back in which kind of lends to the idea that the other guys maybe didn't make it because even if you did make it exactly. it would have taken so much out of you you know what i mean right. like that's crazy did this dude yeah. this guy just or these guys they just free swam it they just rolled in and just swam it yeah wow Oh, and made it. And made, made it. it. And they made it. So, and I th- what I thought was interesting, not, a, not only the fact that they made it, but then they got captured. Yeah. I thought, which is interesting, is now in modern day, obviously because it's closed, there is an annual swim in the San Francisco Bay. It's a 1.5 mile swim, and it's called the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon. Wow. You can actually go. And do that same exact swim. That's. I was like, wow. But that's kind there of must be a season of. There must be a season where the sharks aren't there. I'm oh, sure. I, I'm sure there's got to be a migration period where they are or they're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because that's just. I, I, I was going to say, like, you know, the, the, the if I was in peak condition to swim, you know, I would attempt it. But fuck that. There's great white sharks in that area. I ain't going. I do it. No thanks. I'm good on that. Sharks are real monsters. Like they are real monsters. Bird. I've said that for years. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Good. All right, Mike, you got more? I got more. I got All more. Right. I got two more. Th- two more topics I want to hit All on. Right, good. Keep going. So we were talking about earlier about how people would think that Alcatraz was this place where people that were really bad. Yeah, like I, I was under the impression that that's where the worst, the worst. Were. So Insane. the fact is, people actually requested to be transferred to Alcatraz. Hmm. You'd say, well, why would people want... Was it like top of the like state of the art? Is that what it was? like? So what happened was... Um, scenery. Uh, <laughs> definitely the scenery. <laughs> it's a nice view <laughs> of the bay. So the first... So the reason why... So the warden of the prison said he knew some of the problems that were going on in the prison system, and he knew 
what would cause what what a lot of the problems are the fact of the poor living conditions, the food was bad. He said all these things are what causes people to be unhappy, and this is why they cause riots. This is why they're fighting. But he really prided himself on the fact of serving them good food. Inmates can return for as many helpings as they wanted, hmm. and if they behaved, they had access to. You know, um, they'd have a privilege to include monthly movies, access to a library with 15,000 books, and they had up to 75 magazine su- subscriptions. Which so is makes you think like this wasn't a terrible place. No, I mean, if you think about it, the idea of our, our, our prison system is not necessarily to be punitive, but is to be rehabilitative. Is to Correct. is to rehabilitate somebody to then again join society. So if you hit them like in Bill's case, right, like they did in that particular situation, right, you're you're creating hardened criminals. You're creating people that maybe weren't criminals and making them into something they were not, right? And and if you, yeah. you treat them with kindness and show them, right, a better way to live, right, theoretically, you have a better chance of getting through. Right. Well, I tell you, they the it's. <laughs> You can give them a life of luxury over there, but I think one of the problems with that prison, other than the fact that the sea, the salt air was eroding everything, yeah. is the temptation. Like it's right there. Like you're you're yeah, able it. to look out. It's only about a right mile there. swim, right? I mean, like you yeah. said, like and you can, and you can see it. Yeah, and you can see it. So they might have been living lavishly, or at least to the best of what you know. Their situation, obviously, but living not in squalor, and yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm sure they could probably hear life, you know, yeah, uh, across the bay, across the bay, and they're just just like, man, it's right there, it's right there, it's right, you know. When you're in these other prisons, you're 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 in Guam, you know, you're locked away, you don't you don't get to see it, yeah. I have a feeling the temptation is just too much for some of these guys. Yeah, good point. But I thought it was it was interesting the fact that you, we were all belie- led to believe that they these people were being mistreated severely, yeah. thinking this is the worst of the worst. And meanwhile, it was the complete it's opposite. It's the exact opposite yeah. of that, and it was and it was purposely meant to be that way. Right. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. I thought that was kind of interesting. That's mm-hmm. why it was like I have to share that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, um, which I thought was very interesting, so. Alcatraz, before it was turned into a prison, it was really more of like a military prison and they would keep people there and they would kind of just use the island for whatever they wanted to do. So one of the things I felt was kind of interesting was the, I don't know if you heard of the Hopi 19. It's about these um, Native Americans that were living on reservations and government had decided that they wanted to have the offspring of the Hopi Indians to now be more Americanized. So what they did was they actually had decided to um, enroll these kids into schools and not only just any schools, but they kind of put them into like a boarding school and they didn't have much, they didn't have any say whether or not they wanted to go. So what happened was... Um, I think they were known they were, as um, Carlisle schools. 
Um, Did you come across Carlisle? That name, Carlisle School? No, I didn't see that. Carlisle Schools were a very famous type of school that was meant to Americanize Native Americans, especially children. Um, Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry, continue. They were taken from their reservation over a thousand miles away from their home. Mm -hmm. Once they got to these schools, their purpose was designed to erase their culture, their spiritual heritage. Yeah. Um, cut their hair, give them names like cut their hair. Thomas and Jonathan. Anglers. Yes, Christianism. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, they were actually forbidden to speak in their native tongue or practice their faith. And and a, a lot of them died because they weren't permitted to eat the way that they they're, were brought up eating. So they were given all this new type of food that they never ate before. And many right. of them would end up with bad diarrhea, you know what I mean? And stomach problems and die of malnutrition. Um, it was awful. It was fucking terrible what they did. So now, did they have one of those schools on the island? No. So what happened was these parents, um, 19 men were arrested for refusing to give up their children. Mm. They spent a year at Alcatraz. Holy shit. So they did it to the parents of the kids who yeah. were trying to protect their children. you didn't give up children. your kid, we're taking you. They probably at that point then took the kids anyway. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Oh, right. things that's kind of stuff that made Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just kind of like shocking that, yeah. you know, the, they yeah. don't teach you that in history well, class in school. If you take Mr. Smith's class, you do, because uh, <laughs> I do a whole lesson about the Carlisle School, and we talk all about the Carlisle School, and we read through primary sources to understand exactly what happened to these people, like um, multiple perspectives of what, what took place. It's fucking, it's crazy, dude. Yeah, you don't, and that's one of the main reasons why I definitely teach that lesson, is because you don't normally get that in a history class. I never did. You know, yeah. I'm sure I don't ever, I don't, I, I don't remember it either. And, and we went to the same high school. So, you know, I'm sure that we probably weren't getting that lesson. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's some fucked up shit, man. Because now being a dad, is there anything you would not do to protect your child? I would do anything. You know, I it does. I would do whatever it fucking took, you know, and I was you know. did they is that the one they just found dead bodies at that uh, like at the, on those grounds? Is that the one no, or is that the one in Canada? That's Canada. It's one in Ontario, Ontario right? Canada yeah. was just as bad, if not worse, uh, than what the United States. Oh, they were they were much worse. Yeah. They were much um, worse. And that's why I always try to tell my kids, I'm like, yo, it doesn't. Every when it comes to Native Americans in in North America, n- no one is 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 blameless. Like even the Canadians did a fucking ton of shit. Um, ton of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. You keep going, but so after the prison closed, mm-hmm. he. Native Americans, um, I'm trying to, I didn't find the full article. I'm just going to tell you verbatim, you know, the whole premise behind it. So after Alcatraz closed, the Native Americans over there had said, listen, any unoccupied land under the federal government, you know, saying, hey, well, you know, unoccupied land, you guys can have that. Mm. If if it's, you know, if if it's land that we want, then it's ours. Okay. And the Native Americans said, okay, well, that's fine. You want, you're not going to do anything with Alcatraz? Alcatraz is ours. Okay. They, they essentially, oh, they, they occupied Alcatraz okay. for 19 months. Holy shit. What they say in the name of freedom and civil rights. What year? Do you know? It's like the and, 70s? 
Yeah, it was 19, yes. 1969. I remember, 69. Okay. I remember seeing that in the documentary. Okay. I think it was like that documentary about the 70s. I remember seeing that. That's fucking tits, man. Uh, the fact that they, they said, well, fuck you. We're taking back what's ours. Occupy the island. They spray Eventually, painted on the side of it, right? Didn't they spray paint on the, didn't they spray paint it on the yes. side of it too? Yeah. They did. And that was one of the things I was trying to remember what they exactly I think they wrote freedom. Mm. Freedom. Yeah. That's fucking so when they renovated the island years later, they decided to leave that there. Huh. Because they didn't want to erase the history of, of what the happened. Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wow. So I thought that was kind of cool that we we fucked them over, but at the end of the day, we left it up there, and we're trying to show people, hey, yeah. listen, this did happen. Yeah, you're right. They yeah. didn't try to hide mm-hmm. it. I'm trying to literally whitewash it, you know what I mean? Right. right. That's fucking awesome, man. I, yeah. I had no idea. I, I Now I, I think I remember seeing pictures of the spray painting, but I had no idea, like, they absolutely, like, these fucking guys occupied Alcatraz. Yeah. And, I mean, there's yeah, obviously still that. a building there, too, you know what I mean? So they occupied a, you know, the full... That's crazy, man. You used to be yeah, able to do a tour actually, there. You can still. Yeah, it's actually part of yeah, the right? National Park. Yeah, yeah. my wife, when she went, to, um, out, she, went to Cal- she went to California, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago or so, she actually drove up to, she drove up the coast by herself and um, went to, to San Francisco, went to go do the, the, the uh, Alcatraz tour, and, and she couldn't. She didn't end up doing it. She couldn't get tickets because it was like sold out and shit, but um, that's like one of her big... Still on her bucket list. She's got to go check it out. Um, it sounds like an amazing trip. Yeah, that's fucking tits, though, yeah. man. You know, I think... That's the Queen Mary, right? Getting that information, I thought it was kind of yeah. cool. You know, learning so much about it just for this topic tonight, I was just like... Yeah. Yeah, I got to go check yeah, it out. Man. Just, yeah, man. I think, sure. I think my favorite uh, Alcatraz story is Whitey Bulger. You guys know Whitey Bulger, the uh, the Irish gangster who was on the run? Yeah, yes. man. Um, he was actually an inmate at Alcatraz at, at one point. Then, you know, he goes on the run, does that whole thing. He's on, he's on the lam for fucking 30 years. He goes back to Alcatraz and visits there and takes a picture, right, during one of the tours. And they dress you up in, like, uh, you know, like the striped fucking prison clothes. And you and you're, you got, like, a fake prison card. So he goes there. I mean, take this. That's a set of fucking balls, man. Like, he goes back there. Wait, he's on the run and takes a picture as a fake prisoner in Alcatraz. And it's like, man. And they, the, the authorities, when they finally arrested him, Found that picture and they were like, "You fucking serious, man? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. fucking tits, dude. That's that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's a set of balls on them. Um, nice, Mike. Fucking great story, man. Great, great. Uh, uh, just straight up teaching about Alcatraz. Fucking awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I like it. the concept. You like you you hit it from a different angle. I liked it. Yeah, you took on a whole prison. I like it yeah, because there wasn't really just one great escape story. There was, was I, I told these it. little stories of what people tried <laughs> to do to get out. Best <laughs> was the guy getting shot in the beginning. That, I, I gotta say that <laughs> might have been my favorite. That your delivery was just fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. God, so they fucking shot him. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> fucking great. All right, so um, I'll end us off. I don't think mine's the best one. I think you guys are gonna beat me. I think, uh, but that's okay. It's it's all about just having a good time. So 
Um, you notice how yes. when it's uh, when I don't think I'm going to win, it's about having a good time. Um, and <laughs> 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 that's, you know, like, that's how I go. It's kind of yeah. like when you, you know, we could always do we could always do a fan vote. I would love you know, to. In the comments I just don't know. If I, I look. We've asked the fans to to make a lot of comments and do shit, and they never do. So I don't know if anybody's really even listening. So if you are listening, yeah, you fucking funny. tell us, man. Jesus, that'd be nice of you. Um, all right, so. <laughs> My uh, my story is about um, the HM prison maze in Northern Ireland uh, in Belfast. This story takes place. Yeah, sorry. Uh, in the in the late 70s, early 80s, a couple of a little bit of background context information. First, we're going to be talking about a, a, a situation or a time period in Ireland known as the Troubles. Um, the Troubles, it lasts about 30 years. It's it's the really big deal between the Republicans and the Loyalists, right? The the Irish Catholics who were anti English and the Northern Ireland um, you know, Protestants who were who were pro English, right? And that's where you have Northern Ireland versus regular Ireland. I'm sure you guys have all heard about that, right? Um yeah. so thirty years, Northern Ireland is, you know, they've got this deadly period of time and violence known as the Troubles. Um, you know, as you got car bombings and riots and revenge killing, right? The IRA, right? The Irish Republican Army becomes one of the biggest groups in Ireland uh, fighting against um, the English. <clears throat> when I went to Ireland, I ended up going to Belfast. Um, so I got to walk around the area and I went on a, uh, my wife and I went on a peace tour or, or a political walking tour. And so the first half, we were actually walked around by a, a former IRA member. And he dropped us off at something called the Peace Wall. The Peace Wall is a big wall that they, it's about a 40 foot wall that they have in between the Irish Catholics and the Irish Protestants, right? Or the pro English uh, folks. And every night at about like 5 or 6 p.m., the gates closed because people were just running across the border every night and fucking firebombing each other's houses, right? So they have this giant wall up there. Anyway, so the IRA guy left us at the wall and then the loyalist uh, or the unionist picked us up on his end and walked us around his side and gave us his whole story about, you know, the troubles from the pro English point of view It's really fucking cool. So anyways, during the height of this, uh, of the troubles in the 1970s and eighties, the British comp, uh, the British government's going to incarcerate hundreds of folks, uh, uh, guys from the Irish Republican army, the IRA inside this notorious maze prison. And this prison is said to be absolutely impenetrable is the most secure prison in Europe. Nobody can sink it. And you know how those claims usually go, right? This boat is unsinkable, right? So, you know, it, it, you know what's going to happen. So this prison itself is, it's a prison within a detention center within an army camp. So it's like layered, right? And it's built on a former Royal Air Force base, 10 miles uh, Northern Ireland's, uh, outside Northern Ireland's capital of Belfast. It's maximum security prison, and it's got like eight blocks, and each block is the, is the shape of a letter H. So it's a capital letter H, so they call them H blocks. And there's eight of them. And so these are the ones, the folks that go here are the guys that are convicted of terrorism, right? And so you had a couple of loyalists in there as well. But you're looking at about, you know, as out of um, 2,000 people in this prison, about 100 of them. Are loyalists about a hundred of them are like pro English. The rest are Irish, right? The rest are Republicans, and so they, you know, they got these 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 different wings are all set up, and each wing uh, is 
each H is run by like a central nervous system kind of like fucking office in the middle that just runs everything inside of that block, right? You also got a 15-foot fence surrounding the entire prison, and each H block is surrounded by a five and a half meter high concrete wall with barbed wire at the top. All of the gates on the compound are made of solid steel and electrically electronically operated. I mean, this is fucking impenetrable, right? So the prisoners, the Irish prisoners, when they get in there, they really kind of see themselves as as political prisoners, right? Because I mean, they're they're fighting against a government that they feel they're they're being impressed, and it's crazy because <clears throat> in the '60s, before things got super violent, the 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 Irish kind of looked to what was happening in America with the uh, the civil rights movement. And a lot of times they, they really kind of modeled themselves after that. They saw what was happening and they felt very much like they were being treated like African-Americans were in the United States. They were being treated as second-class citizens the way that, you know, from the English, right? So they were granted the status of political prisoners in 1972. Now, what that means is, you can't be you you if you're a political prisoner you can't be forced to wear a uniform you can't be forced to do like hard labor you know what i mean like you are you are there but it's like a POW. yeah exactly right so you're like a special type of prisoner and so they get that status in 72 and in 76 they the english revoke it and so uh margaret thatcher comes into office very conservative she comes in 1979 and um 1981, she doubles down on her policy. And she says, and I quote, there is no such thing as political murder, political bombing, or political violence. There is only criminal murder, criminal bombing, and criminal violence. We will not compromise on that. There will be no political status. So as far as Margaret Thatcher and the English are concerned, these guys aren't freedom fighters, right? They're not political prisoners. They're murderers, and that's it. And there's no fucking compromise on it. So 1978. Nearly 300 Irish Republicans are refusing to wear their uniforms. They they just wear their their fucking blankets, right? Because again, the whole point is, right? If you're a political prisoner, you can't be forced to wear a uniform, so they they refuse to wear it, and they they go on to these 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 uh, these protests, right? And one of them is called a dirty protest. There was a prisoner named Pat McGowan, and and here are his words. He says there were times where when you would vomit. There were times when you were so run down that you would lie down for days and not do anything with the maggots crawling all over you. The rain would be coming in through the window and you'd just be lying there with maggots all over the place. And so they had these dirty protests to protest not being treated right as a political prisoner. 81, <clears throat> they do a hunger strike and they lost uh, 10 people, including one guy named Bobby Sands. And Bobby Sands was a member of parliament when I was in Belfast there's this beautiful mural of Bobby Sands. If you, you Google it and you just type in Bobby Sands, B-O-B-B-Y-S-A-N-D-S, and you go to images, you'll see, I promise you, you'll see it. There's a, it's a really famous picture. He's wearing a red shirt with a, with a white collar. It's almost like a, a rainbow background with chains all around the top of it. So he dies uh, during this hunger strike. And so the prisoners now, they know after the hunger strike and Bobby Sands dies, nothing changes. So now they got to focus on something different, whole totally new objective, escape, get the fuck out of there, right? Because nothing is going to get better. So here's the plot. They know they need to get out of their H block. They need to get to the main gate, which uh, controls the main uh, or the main gate building, which controls the main gate and get the fuck out of there, right? 
But you say, you say they, I mean, how many people are you talking? Well, they're going to have to decide how many people. So I think the num- well, I'll get to that number. Don't worry. Okay. So, but they need intel, right? And so for months, they gather just that. They just, they walk around the prison. They get jobs around the prison, right? They're trying to gather as much intel uh, as, as they possibly could because no prisoner actually knows what the prison, the full prison and the grounds look like. Anytime they're transported, they're transported in fully blacked out vans. So nobody can actually see where they actually are, which is one of the reasons why it's so fucking impenetrable because they don't know how to escape. They can't make a plan to escape because they don't know what they're escaping. You know what I'm saying? And so... So they're so confused yes. by the fact that they don't know the layout. Exactly. There's no layout. But they're almost like in the dark of really knowing. It's almost like being in solitary confinement just in your block alone. Yes. Without really being able to experience what's happening outside. Exactly. And they don't know how many other blocks there are. They don't know how many prisoners are each one. Like they there's they know not and it was done now like this is this is purposeful, right? All the and each block had its own warden, so they all are on task, right? Doing this on purpose to keep everybody in the dark, right? So what they start doing is they start getting family and friends to smuggle in aerial photos of the prison, right? And different surveys like landscaping surveys and things like that, you know, from the outside, they start bringing in these, these photographs and these different types of surveys so they can get some sort of understanding of the layout. Right. And then they choose a guy named Larry Marley and he's, he's um, selected as the, the escape leader, right? He's the perfect guy for the job. He actually almost escaped out of this place and keep this in your mind, dressed as a prison warden a couple of years earlier. Okay. So they it's impressive. pretty, pretty smart, right? So they decide they're going to spring the escape on a Sunday and they choose Sunday on purpose because soccer, soccer, and also it's a, it's a big religious day, right? And yeah, I was say, it's probably less guards on a and Sunday. And there's less guards. There's, there's less guards on a Sunday. Absolutely. Right. So the idea is they got to take over the nerve center control room of their block, right? And one of their H-block buildings, they're going to tie up all the guards in the block. They're going to steal their uniforms, put the uniforms on. Then they realize that there's a food truck that comes in that delivers the food for the whole week, right? And it comes in on Sunday. And that truck never gets searched, neither in nor out, Right. And they under they they figured this out from the from the months of their intel, right? That's that's some that's a pretty interesting amount of intel that they got. And what what I find interesting is the fact that as you know, Bill's story started back in the thirties, mine was in the sixties, and yours is more modern day yep. of the three. And you can already see the fact of the technology working mm-hmm. from the outside being used on the inside yep. to help give them a way to get all this information to go forward and how to plan an escape for something like that. And on top of this, really these guys have the backing of the entire IRA as well. Like the IRA are giving them everything they need to give them to fucking to do this, right? Because this is a if you can escape Brit, uh, it, Europe's most impenetrable fucking fortress, right? If the IRA can do this, that's a lot of clout. You know what I mean? Like that's a fucking big deal. So what they got to do is once they get that food truck, they got to get to the main the main gate. They got to hijack that building, open up the gates, and boom, off they go, right? It's a simple, it's a fucking simple plan, really. You know, not easy, but it's simple. But if everything's going to work, 
everything had to be timed absolutely perfectly, right? So phase one, taking the nerve center, right? In order to get this, they realize that they're going to have to create a very calm and relaxed atmosphere with the guards, right? They realize if the guards are all tense and there is like a bunch of tension between the guards and the, uh, uh, the inmates, right? The guards are always going to be looking over their shoulder. So they realize they got to start to build relationships with these guards, right? Albeit fake ones, but they got to build relationships. So they end up like discussing soccer with them, right? They volunteer to make the guards tea. They start calling them by their first names, right? And it works. And they start to like engage in like this little small talk here and there, right? And through this little small talk, the guards are starting to reveal like little bits of information about the present prison without even realizing it, like shift changes, right? When it's busy, all that type of stuff, right? Ah, fuck, man, I got in at like 7 a.m. this morning. Well, now you know when the shift changes. You know the shift changes at 7 o'clock, right? Oh, how long are you here till? Oh, I'm out at 2 o'clock. You know what I mean? So those little things, they they don't even realize that they're, gain, they're gaining this intel of when these shift changes are happening. So the prisoners, right, they're planning each fucking stage of this thing, right? They're, they're drawing fucking diagrams, right? Uh, where all the alarms are and the, the alarm points around the prison, where the guards could raise alarms, right? This thing had to be perfect because once the plan was written up, it was smuggled out of the prison to the IRA officials on the outside who would then approve it, right? <laughs> like if it was good enough, if they weren't happy with it, right? They're going to call the whole fucking thing off. So eventually they smuggle out their plans. The IRA gets it. It's approved. It's good. And somehow, and to this day, the IRA has never explained or let in, but they somehow smuggled in six guns into the prison, right? Now, there is speculation as to they smuggled in the guns one tiny little part and piece at a time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, all like a little pin and then this and that. And they put the guns together after all of those pieces were were smuggled in. But we still don't know for sure. Okay. Because and the guns even go ahead. what's interesting about that, the fact if they're smuggling if they were smuggling in one piece at a time, these guys had to be knowledgeable enough to be able to take those pieces mm-hmm. and put it all together. Well, I mean, if you're in the IRA, right, you're in the Irish Republican Army. That's your job. I mean, if you think about it, right? You are there to kill yes. English people, right? You're in a you're to them it they're in a legitimate war. Right. They're in like a holy yeah. war. Right. So it's not surprising to know to think that they would be well versed in that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, and they need these guns because when they, they, they spring their fucking, their escape, they need these, these, these guards to surrender immediately. You, you know what I mean? Like they, they, there can't be a struggle. There can't be a fist fight. It's gotta be something where as soon as you brandish your weapon, these guys got to stop immediately. And, and guns are, well, it's the best way to do it. Right. So. We're just making me tea. What happened? Yeah, right? Shut up. Get on the floor. <laughs> Click clack. You know what I mean? And so. After, you know, they prep for months, the prisoners get all the fucking intel that they need. They know exactly how to take over the block and how to secure it without the alarm going off, right? They know what time this food truck is going to arrive, and they're pretty confident that they can hijack it, hide in the back of the truck, right? And they also know that the truck is not going to be searched, right? And so the plan is set. It's ready to roll. And on September 25th, 1983, September 25th also happens to be my grandma's birthday. Um, the plan is set in motion, right? These guys roll up. It's Sunday afternoon. And again, like you said, Mike, you're very smart. Being Sunday was, it was a, they chose it on purpose. Brendan McFarlane 
one of the prisoners, uh, he, he, he states, and, and, I, and I quote, the reason we chose a Sunday was because Sunday is a closed day. There's no visits. There's no movement inside the prison other than the food trucks up and down or somebody going to the hospital. There's no workshops. There's no football. There's nothing. You observe Sunday like a religious day almost. Therefore, they do not need the same amount of staff as they would on a normal working day. Again, fucking smart. So this dude, McFarlane, his job is to secretly get all the names of the officers in the block that day, right? Now, the prisoners need to, to, to pull off their escape. They need 12 uniforms to escape. And they also got to make sure that the uniforms that they jack from the fucking guards are going to fit the 12 guys that they need it to fit. You know what I'm saying? So to start the operation, to start the whole escape, the code word is bumper, right? Which is one of the machines that are used to polish the floors. And so McFarland's in his, his, his cell, you know, he's doing something and he screams out, Hey, to one of the guards, yo, let me know when I can get that bumper. And as soon as that is shouted, they start a 90 second countdown, right? So the first guy, the first group silently captures the first four officers, right? All the, the officers are gathered in one room. So they roll in, they got their guns, right? They, they, they roll right in They're When they discuss their level of aggression, they decided that they're going to just use kind of like really aggressive verbiage and try not to hurt anybody. Cause again, they want to show the IRA in a good light. You can't be like murdering all these guys. You know what I mean? Because then you're going to come off as yeah. like, again, more terrorists. Right. But again, if they're going to kill, if they have to kill somebody, they're going to do it, right? So they've got 21 officers all together that they got to subdue, right? It's a large, dude, it's a fucking big task. You got to take out 21 officers in a prison, right? So this dude, Bobby Story, and one of his, you know, another prisoner that, that is with them, their tasks were taking the first four. Like I said the, uh, before, they were all in a room together. They roll in. They cock their guns to prove that they're real, right? They order the guards on the ground and they get everybody done, right? Everybody's down. So now there's 17 more fucking officers to go in H block, right? Now they all, the point is you got to take all these guys at, if not the very same time as close as possible, because you can't just have officers just wandering around the fucking prison, right? You got to try to get everybody down at the same time. But the most important job is to get the officer that's in the, the control room. And that dude's name was uh, John Adams, right? So, and he's one of the ones that they kind of like fucking were worried about the most. So there's a prisoner, his name is Jerry Kelly. His job is to take out Adams, right? In the, in the main control room. And he does it, he gets to the, the main control room. Now the main control room is this tiny little room that is secured by a big steel door and also uh, a barred door with like fucking, you know, so there's like a, some plexiglass in there or something. The problem with the control room is that there's no ventilation. And so it gets hot as balls in that room. So over the last couple of months, when they were building these relationships with the prisoners who are now doing jobs, right? And again, like I said, making tea and they're getting access to places that they normally wouldn't get access to because they're kind of cool with everybody now. Now they, the guards began to leave this door, the, the, the main control room, their doors propped open because it gets so hot. And again, they're not under the detention or the tension with the guards, right? Uh, with the, the, the prisoners. So this guy, uh, Jerry Kelly gets to the room. He's got a gun. He screams out and I quote, don't fucking move, get on the ground. This is an IRA operation. If you move, I will shoot. 
If you do what I tell you, you won't be hurt. If anybody phones here, you ask them what the problem is. You then take 30 seconds and whatever the problem is, you go back to them and you say, look, it's been sorted out. So Adams is like, well, what if they don't believe me? And the guy, Kelly's like, you fucking make him believe you, right? And <laughs> so at that moment, a guard comes out of the fucking ladies' room, right? Don't ask. I don't know. Not a, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> this dude, Kelly, right, looks over at Adams. Adams springs to go, like, hit, like, one of the alarms. And fucking Kelly, he fucking shoots him in the head. He shoots him in the head. He got knocked out. That was it. This fucking guy gets shot in the head and all it does is knock him out, right? He's out for 30 seconds. He wakes up and Kelly's like, why the fuck did you do that? And the guy's like, I don't know. So he's <laughs> heavily and he's just got blood all over the place. He shot him in the head and he fucking survived. Like that dude is a fucking trooper, man. <laughs> Bro, you know what I mean? So eventually they get all the officers into a classroom. All of their hands are tied behind their backs. They got pillowcases over their fucking heads. They strip the 12 that they need. They put the clothes on, right? And they read the following to them again. This is an IRA operation. We are not here for revenge or to punish you over the hunger, stri hunger strikes. But if you interfere with the escape, you will be dealt with swiftly, right? So it's about 3 p.m., Block H7 is now controlled by the IRA completely. So the first, you know, portion of, of, of the plan is in, it's done, and it only took about 20 minutes, right? Now, here's the problem. When I told you guys before that everything was time sensitive, right? There was a, they needed to have everything on time. The food truck's a half hour late, right? So the delivery is a half hour late, which now sets the entire plan back a half hour. Now, the driver of the food truck is the most important person because the officers know exactly who this guy is, right? So in order for them to continue not to check the truck, they got to have the same fucking, you know, same driver. So the driver rolls up. It's the same dude, right? He's coming into H block seven, the one that they controlled. As he comes in, they capture him at gunpoint. And again, that dude Bobby's story says to him, this block is now in the hands of the IRA. All screws, and screws another name for guards, all screws who obeyed our orders are safe. One who didn't was shot in the head. We will shoot anyone who endangers our planned escape, including you. Right? So then the dude, Bobby Story, that guy, Jerry Kelly, who shot the fucking officer, he motions him to the driver, and he says, this man, uh, that man will remain with you throughout the escape. He's doing 30 years, and he'll shoot you without hes hesitation if he has to. He's got nothing to lose, right? And at one point, Jerry Kelly looks at the driver and he's like, so uh, how much do they pay you? And the driver's like, not fucking enough. <laughs> like, not even fucking nearly enough. Blind. Right? Not enough. So they load 37 prisoners into the back of this food truck. So 37 pr prisoners with Jerry Kelly in front. It's 38 fucking people, right? So Kelly climbs in next to the driver, right? He's got the gun pointed at him at the, at the same time. He tells him, which is totally full of shit. He tells him that there's a fucking grenade underneath the seat. That if he tries anything, they'll pull the pin and the whole fucking thing will go. And at this point, if I'm the driver, I, I don't think there's any reason for me not to believe him. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's just kind of like, fuck, whatever, dude. Okay. So the food truck starts to make it its way towards the, the, the outside of the prison. They got to get past two gates. And then they got to go take control over that last, you know, the control room that opens up the last gate. You guys following? Okay. Gotcha. So the main gate, right, there, Bill? right? The main gate is where every all the prison guards clock in and clock out. So the plan is pretty fucking simple. You take over the main gate, you open the gate, 
right? Allowing the prisoners in the truck get out. Boom, right? It was agreed that a uh, they agreed that a number of the prisoners would stay behind to watch the officers in the main gate until the thirty the, the thirty eight escaped. You guys follow? So there's a bunch of guys mm-hmm. that are going to go with them and stay in the main room, and they'll take the hit. They'll go back to jail, but they'll make sure that the thirty eight guys get out. Okay, so. Imagine, imagine being that guy that's part of the plan, and they tell you, no, 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 you're staying yeah. here. You're, you're not going to with us. But I wonder if there's, like, something like, you know, your family will be taken care of. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be something. Oh, but sure. you also got to, sure. you know, you've got to believe in that cause, too. You know what I mean? I'm sure oh, he yeah. probably wasn't, like, so upset because he's kind of like, well, fuck it, man. You know, if, if we win at the end of the day, fine. You know what I mean? So... You got these 12 prisoners, they're disguised as officers. They go into the main gate and they just start arresting all of the other officers in the main gate, right? And so they, they were, you know, they're fucking handcuffing them and all this stuff. Then the phone in the control room starts to ring and it's the emergency control room. So they're calling out and it turns out one of the guards hits like a, uh, a hidden alarm button, like under the TV. And so the senior officer is basically told, answer the phone, tell them it was a fucking mistake, right? And we're good to go. So the people on the other line, they're like, all right, stop fucking around there. You know, reset the line, uh, up the alarm, right? And so the food truck, like I said, being late, fucks everything up because now they're a half an hour off. So now they're at the time of day where all of the new guards are coming in to clock in for their shift. So, yeah, so you got these fucking 12 officers in the room and now it's like a fucking it's almost like it's like a comedy because now these new guards are coming in. Each new guard (laughs) is coming in. You got to tie them up. You know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) oh, shit. So at this point, you got 12 prisoners holding 24 officers hostage in this tiny little room. And more people are coming in and they're like starting to freak back, freak out. And they're like, what the fuck is, what do we do? What do we do? And the officers start to fight back. So now the prisoners lose control of the gate room. And now there's this big brawl taking place, but they're all wearing guard uniforms. (laughs) Outside the main gate, right? Two officers pull up and they're starting to like look around and like shit doesn't look right. So they, they park their cars inside the gate. So nobody, so the truck can't get through. You know what I'm saying? And most of the prisoners, right, they're, they're still in the truck, right, waiting for the others inside to come out. And so these officers block. Me and those guys. <laughs> yeah, right. So now these officers block their cars, right? And now a bunch of the officers who were inside the building who were being held hostage, now they start running out of the building and they're going up to the gate. Now the rest of the prisoners, right, are pouring out out of the van. And so now you got a full fucking scale fist fight between close to 50 fucking people all dressed as guards at the front of the prison. Right. And it's just a full scale fucking fist and knife fight all at the same time. And so during this fighting, these five officers get stabbed. There's a British Army sniper in a watchtower above watching all of this. Now, later on, they did an investigation. Doesn't know who to shoot. And so he just thought it was just like a fucking guard fight. So he was like, oh, Jesus, I guess there's a problem down there. You know what I mean? So (laughs) fuck that. Yeah. Like, all right, whatever, man. So the prisoners, they finally run towards the final gate. Right, they climb over the gate as the officers are now chasing them. Some start shooting back at the cops. The cops are shooting back at them. One of the officers is shot in the leg. It's just fucking people, pure chaos, and people running and scattering all over the place. By 4.15 in the afternoon, it's all over. Right, The whole thing is secure. Three prisoners have been captured while they were trying to get out of there. 35 breached. 
and we're now out, right? Past the perimeter, the perimeter, and they're out. And this was the biggest prison escape in British and Irish history and the biggest prison escape in Europe since World War II. So outside, the plan was for the IRA convoy to roll up and to meet and everybody, but they fucked up the timing, right? So the IRA convoy was there waiting, got to a certain time waiting for everybody. Those guys weren't there because, again, the food truck was late. They got into a big brawl. So by the time the 35 guys roll up to the rendezvous point, the IRA fucking bus is gone and they missed their fucking, their, uh, their, their, you know, their getaway. So a bunch of start running across fields. Others just start hijacking cars as they're driving by. Right. So all in all, 20 officers are fucking injured. 13 were beaten. Four were stabbed. Uh, two were shot one in the head and he fucking made it. And one officer suffered a heart attack. Uh, after being stabbed and he died, a bunch of people were put on trial for his murder. But uh, the judge said you couldn't prove that it was the heart attack uh, or the heart attack was was from uh, an actual stabbing. Right. So they set up these checkpoints. I'm sure that doesn't happen that way. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, too, it's very similar to the January 6th insurrection. Right. We had a couple of officers or at least one officer died of a heart attack. And uh, the judge said the same thing. Right. He was like, well, you can't really blame the insurrection. So it wasn't necessarily murder because there's no way to know if this dude would have had a heart attack that day or if he was walking down the street, but it's pretty fucking clear. I'm pretty sure, yeah. you know, being attacked by a fucking, you know, crowd of insurrection is probably might've put your, I think that level of stress. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It would have done something to your stress levels. Right. So, yeah. um, of the fifth, the 35 escapees, 15 were captured on the same day. The guy, Bobby story, McFarlane and Jerry Kelly, they split into three teams. Uh, they hijacked a bunch of cars, headed in different directions. Some went to the Republican, uh, the border uh, of the Republic of, of Ireland's border, hope to hide out across the border. Others just get into the fucking countryside. They start crossing rivers. They're rolling into fucking fields and shit like that. Um, some got to a, a safe house. Story and his group, they end up getting... Um, caught while hiding in a river, right? They go back to the maze. Kelly and his group make their way back to a national, uh, a nationalist like fucking safe house, like 14 miles away. They hide out an IRA, IRA weapon stash. And they're, they're actually hiding in between two floors in a house, right? So the, you know what I mean? Like in between the boards of the first floor and the second floor of the house. So they're like laying flat. And they couldn't even move. They couldn't turn over. They stayed there for two weeks. Eventually, they broke into a house. And the family that was there, they held hostage for a short time. They said, look, they made them swear on a Bible. Look, we're going to leave you alone. Just you, you call the cops. It's fine. But give us 72 hours. So they spent like days walking through the fields. Uh, and they were finally fucking taken back. And then another guy drowned while trying to escape. Another guy was caught trying to plant a bomb bunch went back to the ira and just like started resuming their fucking you know terrorist activities but of the escapees only two made it out and that's gerard friars and seamus campbell they were never heard from again because one of the things that they were offered was they were offered the ability if they wanted to to fly to the united states with new identities assume a new life in the states so that, folks, is my story about the Mays escape in Northern Ireland in 1983. The big brawl that ensued is what really caught my attention. I just, I'm a visual person, and I see this, and I hear the fucking, the Benny Hill music playing in the background, 
as all of these cops are fucking beating the shit out of each other. You know what I mean? Like, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So that's, that's all I got. I thought we all brought our, our a games tonight, guys. I thought there was uh you know, three very, very, very well done uh, stories. Yeah. So any, I'm not going to lie, Dan, I, you know, I, I really thought that from the, 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 the amount of people that were involved in this, it sounded like, there were going to be more that, that actually, actually I thought there was going to be like 39, like didn't, would never heard from again. You know, yeah, I, I, I was thinking that, to be three. the fact even half of them would yeah. have now. Well, you know, you think about it this way though, in Northern Ireland, those guys that got out, they were, I mean, look, there was like a hundred percent chance that these guys were going to get out and start blowing up fucking cars and buildings. You know what I mean? So like they needed to get these guys like immediately. Right. And so they, they, you know, they had, it's, and think about it too, it's in the middle of the troubles, right? So they are used to a lot of military activity. So I guess calling up checkpoints and shit like that, they probably were very well versed. And, you know. Yeah. yeah. But Belfast is a fucking beautiful city, man. If you guys can ever get there, go. It's uh it's awesome. I know. Um, we were in typical Belfast style. We were walking down the the, the sidewalk going to get some lunch, and there was a dude passed out completely on the um on the sidewalk with a bottle of whiskey. And then we look over and paramedics like rolled up and they like, grabbed him and they like, threw him in the back. And I guess it was like, Ooh, okay. It's happened normally every day. Apparently. I mean, <laughs> think about it. You're in Belfast. So it's kind of like, ah. I was say. You know, yeah, I'm sure it's not very uncommon. We'll put it when in Belfast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> awesome guys. I think we did a pretty fucking bang up job on this episode. I'm proud of it. We, we knocked it out of the park. You guys have anything you guys want to add? Oh, this was a good one. I liked it a lot. It was good. All right, cool. I, de- I definitely enjoyed it too. It was definitely good. Good stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so we will be back next week with a brand new episode of the story of folks. Please follow us on uh, Twitter podcast at podcast story of. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And to our Australian listeners out there, we love you guys. Uh, you guys are rolling up, man. You got about 10% of our downloads are from Australia. So fuck yeah, uh, our Aussie brothers and sisters. Um, so we appreciate it. Drop us a line. Let us know who you are. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe we can do something where we can get you on as a guest host one day. All right, guys. Uh, for everybody here at the Story of Podcast, we thank you guys very much for listening. We love you guys. And uh, if you have any ideas for stories or topics, please tweet us again at podcast story of on twitter all right guys stay out there stay good and stay weird take care folks